Welcome to the Legon Podcast. I'm Neil, and today I have Michelle Granberg. Michelle is a laughter therapist who works out in New Jersey, and we talk about how important laughter is for your health. But before we get into the podcast, let's thank our sponsors. Hoosier Chiropractic, providing conservative care to Wabash and surrounding communities. Schedule an appointment by calling or texting 260-225-9444. Wabash CrossFit, no matter your fitness level, the varying movements that CrossFit provides will give you the fitness you need to attack all of life's challenges. Stop in for a free class to meet Jackie in the great community atmosphere of the gym. Center Court Barbershop. Jeff and Kyle offer great haircuts with better conversation in downtown Wabash. If you can't be handsome, you can at least look presentable. And finally, Wabash Downtown Nutrition. Now open, Downtown Nutrition offers an aloe shot, a tea, and a shake to help you get through your day. Stop in and see Lindsay and treat yourself without ruining your nutrition goals. Now, let's get to the podcast with Michelle. So I'm here with Michelle Granberg, who is a certified laughter therapist. And Michelle, how did you even get into this profession? Well, I mean, I sort of can reflect back when I was a kid. Um, I was sort of the class clown in grammar school. I remember that came very naturally for me. And I remember the, the feeling, the high I would get from making people laugh and sort of, I guess, the attention and just sort of what that would, what that would create and how that would that would make people very friendly towards me. And then fast forward to my adult years, I was already well immersed in sort of the, the, the healing and caregiver profession as a therapist and wanting to sort of, you know, bring those, bring the use of laughter and humor together with what I was already doing. I saw that there was an actual training program. I was like, wow, isn't this fascinating? Um, a, a 30 program that could actually train and certify you to become a laughter leader. And the program is still around. It's growing even more and more. It is uh, the World Laughter Tour, which was founded by a psychologist, Dr. Steve Wilson, who believes and used the therapeutic value of humor and laughter. And at this point, he has trained thousands worldwide with this mission to spread joy good health, and merriment, um, um, one laughter at a time. So I think it's the kind of organization that could really transform the world. Yeah. With your training into therapy, did they talk about laughter at all there? Not really. Not when I was going through sort of just the the traditional um, graduate work that I was doing, maybe a little bit in undergrad. It wasn't really touched on. I think it was more an area that... Um, was sort of a, a supplement or a complement to traditional therapy. I like to think now that it's being talked about more and more because there's more and more science, more empirical evidence, more, uh, it's more evidence-based than ever before. It was not as much, you know, 20, 25 years ago or more. But um, now I think that lacquer therapy is moving up to the same level as art and music therapy, and we know that both of those forms of therapy are well accepted and integrated into so many settings. So all I can say is I get lots of calls, lots of inquiries to bring laughter therapy into very, you know, clinical and traditional kinds of settings like hospitals for patients and staff, like in schools for both teachers and students. And mostly I get calls to come where there are seniors, where there are senior services and senior centers and senior 
groups that serve seniors, as well as yoga centers, as well as even businesses will contact me to do um, team building events and, and networking events will contact me to come and do a little speaking. So I think it's it's pretty mainstream at this point, which makes me very happy. With the research around laughter, it's really hard for me to picture you know, like someone there with a clipboard writing down, like how many times you should laugh. Right. So, so what's the research around it look like? Well, I mean, I don't know exactly how, how it is done, but there is some measuring involved with that. I do know what the, the benefits that, and the, the outcomes and results are of that. And of course, it all goes back to stress because there is, of course, a huge body of evidence now about how stress is linked directly to illness and disease and conditions at least exacerbating those conditions, if not causing them. Not In the first place, they're saying that a lot of illnesses and conditions are not organic at all. They're purely coming from in, in people's situations and their environment. So, of course, we know that's the biggest science behind laughter, is that laughter is our release valve. It's the mechanism that is built and hardwired within us when there's a stressful, anxiety-producing situation to immediately release that buildup of, of stress and stress hormones within us. And then it can potentially lead us back into homeostasis, you know, that, that state of balance. And um, so it has been shown to decrease serum cortisol, which is that stress hormone, thus providing sort of an antidote for all the a, a prevention, an antidote to the harmful um, effects of stress. Um, there's many other benefits. Do you want me to tell you a few more? Yeah, I'd love to hear them. So it reduces, they've shown that it reduces blood pressure and heart rate, that it, uh, at least at least for a while, of course, laughter is not a magical cure or a quick, you know, magic bullet, but, um, and we're talking about sort of laughter over um, extended periods of time. It has to really be, um, regular laughter. That's why we talk about laughter therapy, so we can do it almost like exercise. Huh. Um, it helps ventilation. It helps reduce chronic respiratory conditions. They've shown that. They've shown that it absolutely boosts the immune system, so that's wonderful. So that helps the body fight infection. Um, it also releases endorphins when you get a really great laugh going, and that provides pain relief, natural, the most natural form of pain relief. Um, it helps move nutrients and oxygen into the body, to the body's tissues. We need to be more oxygenated. Of course, our brains and our, our cells need um, oxygen. And then, of course, you have all the relaxation that I mentioned benefits, where right. as soon as you laugh, tension goes away. Your muscles, your muscles relax. So, so with, with the research around it, how much should we be laughing? Well, you know, of course, it's different for everybody, but we like to say that um, every day, every day, if there are not opportunities to laugh, then you need to do what we do in laughter therapy, which is simulate laughter to stimulate laughter. So, in other words, even when you mimic the act of laughing, fake laughing, which usually turns into the real thing anyway, um, over the long term, you're going to um, get those benefits. Mm -hmm. There's this comedian, his name's Pete Holmes, and he plays this game with people where you see who can fake laugh the longest, 
And it, <laughs> yeah. it's really interesting because every time it ends up in both people laughing. Like they don't, it doesn't, you know, it's right. not even about anything funny, but just creating that, you just can't help but start laughing then. Um, the, yeah. The thing I wanted when to talk about. Laughing, the, you're laughing, you can't help it. No. <laughs> so with laughter being so helpful, isn't it weird how many like comedians, how many very funny people that we've seen suffer with depression, suicide? I mean, is there any correlation between maybe not laughing so much yourself, but making other people laugh? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there is, and, and there's a difference between humor and laughter. I mean, laughter is usually a result of humor, right. but not everybody has the same taste or preference. You know, when it comes to humor, you know, humor is very subjective. That's why, you know, certainly people laugh when someone is trying to be funny, but, but laughter therapy sort of bypasses the jokes. Okay. Um, and, and it just shows us how complex we are as humans and how we're sort of, there's a duality to all of us and we, we hide a lot of things. So just because someone is laughing on the outside doesn't necessarily mean that they're laughing on, on the inside. So we definitely want to tell people if they really do feel sad or depressed or they're grieving or anxious that they should at the same time, you know, seek some professional help for that. Right. Um, the thing I was going to ask with, I guess, like the, the evolutionary history, like why do we even laugh to begin with? Yeah, it's a really great question because laughter is across the board in all cultures, in all parts of the world. Of course, it's a universal experience that has always existed since humans have been around. And it's exclusive, for the most part, it's exclusive to humans and primates, our animal cousins. You know, those, the animals that are the, the most like us, we see they've studied that they laugh for some of the same reasons, and they laugh in groups the same way that we laugh in groups. So at least we know that it's very much hardwired, and so that's why if people aren't laughing, it's almost like you want to want, you wonder why. Right. Because it is so natural and automatic, the question is not why do we laugh, it's almost why don't we laugh. When we see people laugh sometimes, it's almost like it's broken. It's yeah. not really, but they've lost it or they've gotten too serious. And often there are serious reasons why people um, are, are sort of stilted in their laughter, but sometimes it's just conditioning and it's just issues that can be shifted. We also see in babies, in babies and children, of course, we, that's why we love children because we love to be around them because they laugh constantly and all the time. In fact, they're often being told to stop laughing, which I don't know that that is such a good thing. Maybe that's where we start to lose our laugh, they've shown, around school age, where mm. children start to laugh, 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 laugh less around six or seven years old because they're being told to, to stop that. But Babies laugh within a month of life. We all laugh within a month of life. And it's interesting because it's before we even understand complex language, we laugh. Yeah. So it's not because we don't, get, we don't even get the jokes. Yeah. We're not laughing because of jokes. We're just laughing because it feels good, because it's natural. We're laughing with every stimuli that's new, you know, babies will laugh. And so it's part of, it's part of development. It's part of processing information as babies. It's, it's coping with life. Hmm. Um, so it's very much, again, natural, natural and necessary for survival. Right. I, I was going to say that before you even mentioned it. Like one of my favorite things has been to, 
my daughter, she's 15 months old, and my wife and I just love to watch her laugh. Like, love to, like, now she kind of, she seems to even be in on the joke. Like, she knows when she's doing something funny, and, <laughs> and it's like, uh, where, where does this come from? Like, how do you know what you just did was funny? And I, I think we, we we maybe go above and beyond to reinforce that behavior so much because we just love seeing her laugh. But it is, it is sad when you talk about how we, we do condition that away from us and, you know, yeah. other people, whether, you know, whether they're yeah. grieving more than others. But I mean, I know in, in my family, humor and laughter was like the most valuable thing that you could right. offer. And so it was just, it's been, been reinforced, seems like for generations in my family. Yeah, I think it's either conditioned positively enforced or sometimes it's negatively enforced unfortunately in yeah. childhood mostly by our our family and our and our authority figures because if we're not laughing there's a reason you know but because it's something we naturally do in groups it's subconscious it's not a conscious thing but we're constantly um it's also through something called magnetism which is a little bit of hypnot hypnosis theory where we're always seeking to match and mirror people around us that we gravitate towards. And it's part of that hurting mentality that we want other people to like us and we want to be part of the group because that's about survival on a survival level. Um, But that's why laughter is really amazing. We think of laughter as something you do by yourself or when you're watching a comedian. But if you ever watch people interacting, it's a huge part of social interaction. And the sociologists have really looked at that people who laugh together work better together. Of course, they get along better. It, it both comes from people who are already getting along, and then it fosters that bond even further very quickly. Those positive bonds and rapport will form. If you can just get someone to laugh with you when you meet them for the first time within a few minutes, it almost it almost guarantees that you're going to bond together. It breaks down the walls. It's an icebreaker. It makes us closer to strangers. And it's naturally occurring in groups. It's almost like part of the conversation. Every conversation is peppered with laughter. We talk, we talk, we talk, and then laughter, laughter. Talk, talk, laughter, laughter. And it just goes on and on like that unconsciously. It's it's funny you say that because it's it's something that I hear now of like, oh, that person's a people pleaser. Like, they, you know, they're just always trying to make people laugh. But it sounds like there's a lot of health benefits to that. So it's it's funny that we're conditioning away from that or, you know, we, we see it as a negative thing that this person can't just have like a normal conversation. They just, it always has to be jokes. But I mean, I'm sure there's a balance yeah, well, there that's... Yeah, you're, you're right. Because what you're pointing to is, is why, the reason why people laugh. Sometimes people do laugh because they're uncomfortable or they're self-conscious and they feel awkward, and it's more of that nervous laugh. And again, it's sort of that release valve for the tension that's building up in them. So that kind of laughter is not necessarily the healthiest laughter, but it is still sort of like a defense mechanism. And that's something that we that we notice that kind of laughter has a bit of a different um, quality to it. And I think that people who ha- who don't n- naturally laugh, for whom it's not, it doesn't just bubble up naturally. They tend to gravitate towards people for whom we all love to be around, and we're literally attracted to people who laugh frequently. And here's a little tip for your listeners if you're single. (laughs) If you're a single person, number one, people on the list of what the characteristics that I want in a potential mate, 
or the ones that are the most attractive, people often say someone who laughs or has a good sense of humor as they're in their top three. And that's because, again, it, it makes you more attractive to others. As a potential friend or mate, we gravitate towards people who are having fun. And when people are laughing, we, we, we know that they're having fun. We want to be around them. It's more fun to be around someone who's a laugher rather than someone who's down <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's the only way that I ended up with my wife I just tricked her into laughing a lot <laughs> so right. it works uh, yeah it works yeah. um are there are there any populations that you see that whether it's they laugh more or they laugh less different socioeconomic statuses anything like that um I you know I don't know about socioeconomic status but but I could see where there might, if you're in a tougher socioeconomic class, if you're a little more disadvantaged, there'd be less laughter because of all the stress. Right. You know, stress leads to laughing less, and laughing less leads to more stress. But in general, across the gender lines, now, of course, there's lots of exceptions, but mm. they have shown that across gender lines that women laugh more, and which is also interesting because women tend to live longer, so maybe mm. there's a correlation there as well, and men laugh a little bit less, but men are the jokesters. Right. So they're the ones often that are making the women laugh, and the women are the recipients, and they and they are laughing. And then, of course, we talked about children already. The, the numbers that are out there are, are almost kind of staggering when they say children laugh on average about 300 times a day. And what do you think the average adult laughs. I don't have a guess. I don't know. It's going to be low. It's low. It's low. That's the build-up. It's low. It's significantly diminished. It's only around 15 to 20. Wow. We're talking about, yeah, I know. We lose that between the time that we're kids to the time that we're adults. We lose, you know, just almost 90% of our ability to laugh or our natural laughing reflex is not there. And, you know, we could, we could certainly hypothesize lots of obvious reasons for that. Um, I wanted to get back to this point real quick. It kind of sounded like you said that women are slowly killing men by not making them laugh. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like this whole plan that you have of we need to get rid of them. Let's just not make them laugh. That's right. We're gonna. Well, I guess not a bad way to go. I <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. No, we want them to stick around so they can keep making it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with with kids, I mean, how I don't. I just. How do you laugh that much? Well, I think that when kids are laughing, they're laughing as a form of play. Yeah, and they're laughing. They're laughing as a form of communication more than oh, that was funny. I'm going to laugh now. Like it's just part of how they're almost um, talking to one another and expressing themselves to one another. And that's just the natural way that goes. Because really, we could think of laughter, even though it's not language like word language, it is a form of communication that kids, you know, exemplify for us that. Kids are more comfortable in their skin. When we were kids, we were more comfortable in our skin. We were more comfortable with ourselves. I think some of that, we lose some of that with time. So 
they're naturally laughing because they're comfortable in themselves and they're comfortable around people. We don't laugh as much or at all when we feel awkward or exposed or insecure. So kids are both wanting to make each other feel comfortable because they know that feels good, and when they feel comfortable, they're laughing as well. So really laughter is like saying, I care about you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a way of communicating um, kindness as well as connecting and, you know, and I said that that's sort of our natural instinct to, to try to connect with others. So I think when kids are laughing, it's when they're playing, it's when they're meeting each other, it's, it's a, a communication because they don't really have the, the language yet anyway. They don't have the maturity to have, you know, complex language. So they, they're doing the laughter sound yeah. as a way of saying, I like you. Let's keep doing this. That, hey, that, this is fun. <laughs> we, we discovered something fun. Let's keep doing it. Yeah, that makes sense because like in your, in your teenage years when you're feeling very isolated and stuff, I mean, that you kind of know that you have power by not laughing at someone that's trying to do something funny. Like that's a, a gr good way to shut right. someone out is to just not react or not, not pretend that they're funny. Even if you think that they are, I mean, it's just kind of like the path that you take is the, well, I, I don't think anything is funny and this isn't cool or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, Absolutely. so what does laughter therapy even look like? Well, so laughter therapy is where we gather together in groups deliberately for the, the purpose of laughing together. So that's the, that's the focus and the, and the specific goal or intent of gathering together for um, laughter therapy. So, when I, so laughter therapy sessions or groups or programs are very, very interactive because it can't just be talking about laughter, which I do, present to people more of those facts and those benefits and the reasons to laugh and the nature of laughter. But most of what I'm doing with people is facilitating and leading them as a leader into um, laughing, laughing together. And it's done through sort of um, a, a combination of um, exercises and like improvisation and discussion and um, ways to get people laughing, but also just sort of mimicking the sound of laugh and laughing for no reason other than, um, other, other than to laugh. So I said, we don't wait for a joke. We simulate laughter to stimulate laughter. And then most of the time, even the most hardened hearts will, can't not laugh because laughter is really contagious. And they've, they've proven that scientifically as well. So if you're in a group, it's harder not to laugh than it is just to allow yourself to laugh. So, um, you know, I'll do funny little exercises. First, I'll warm people up and, and remind them of what laughter sounds like, um, what the universal laughter sounds are, like ha-ha, hee-hee, and ho-ho. <laughs> and then we'll just do some fun sort of um, playful exercises. In fact, it gets kind of silly. So I tell people in the beginning of my program, listen, this is going to get silly, so I hope that's okay, and it's going to get kind of loud because it is loud. When we do laughter therapy and we're trying to just let the ceiling off of our usual, you know, holding ourselves and, and um, holding ourselves back, it can get 
it can get kind of loud. Do you work at all with any any kids, any like, you know, the teenage age, the middle school, any of that? I have. I You know, it's funny because I work more with adults than with kids. It's almost like kids already get it. They're already laughing, so they don't need it as much. Mm-hmm. But I recently, you know, um, did a laughter program for teenage girls in a girls, a Catholic girls' school, um, believe it or not. Interesting. Um, they provided a, which is great, they provided a wellness day for them, and they called me in to do a laughter therapy program. And it's, it's funny because that's sort of the age where they're almost like they want to be really cool. You know, i got to be cool. I don't want to look foolish amongst my peers. So they're right at that point where it's a little, you have to do a little more. I almost feel like I have to stand on my head a little bit and whistle Dixie to get them to laugh. But, but they do. But they do. So, I, you know, I definitely work, work with teens that way and, and their teachers. So it's, it's structured laughter. And I think that's good, too, because otherwise, you know, they, they need a day to do that so that when they go back to school, they can sort of focus. Right. I, I just could see an, an advantage for that with kind of hearing about more, more depression and more anxiety at younger ages. Right. I could see that that's... Right. Well, and, and also like with, with social media, that was something else I was kind of curious about, your thoughts on, yeah. and there's all kinds of funny stuff on there, but a lot of times you're looking at that by yourself. So right, is, right. There, is there... And sometimes with that, you're laughing, you're laughing at people instead of with them. Right. You know, because so, of the anonymity. Yeah. So, I mean, I there, mean there, there is a difference in the health benefits, though, of that laughing at versus laughing with. Yeah, I think it all depends on the intention hmm. behind it. I think if you're if you're laughing at, the intention might be to tear someone else down. Right. Um, so it's a little bit different than that spontaneous eruption of what my teacher Steve Wilson calls mirthful laugh, like really like the, the joyful, humorous, mirthful laugh. That's the kind the kind if there are kinds of laughs, laughter that's the kind of laughter that I'm talking about, the kind that is the, the healthy, because it's very pure. Right. Not the uh, Nelson um, on The Simpsons, the ha-ha laugh. Yeah, maybe not that. <laughs> maybe not that sort of yeah, laugh that's Point that's laugh, more superficial. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess we want to return to the, you know, uh, allowing that, that natural laugh that kind of bubbles up, almost the kind of laugh where we, it's hard to contain it. And, you know, you're in the middle of church or something, and that laughter starts to come, and you're like, I shouldn't be laughing here, but that's what we're, that's sort of what we're looking for. Right. So, so how do we get to that point? Well, I think we need to reintroduce laughter um, in a way that people are looking at it as essential, um, similar to, like, meditation, how meditation has come from this fringe thing mm-hmm. right into the mainstream, because people realize, I need something to quiet my mind, I need something to relax, I need something to reduce stress, I need something to keep me balanced and healthy and help me cultivate positive qualities, I would put meditation right next to laughter therapy. And maybe meditation is not for everyone, even though I, I kind of think it is for everyone, some form or another, but mm. people might be more naturally gravitating towards meditation or laughter therapy will give them a lot of the same similar benefits and experiences Afterwards, a sense of a quiet mind, a sense of relaxation, a shift in their attitude through through laughter therapy, a boost of their emotions. Because 
you can't hold a negative thought while you're doing laughter therapy. You just can't have both. And you can't have a negative emotion, you know, a down emotion, while even if you're faking the laughter, you just aren't able to hold both. They're, they're almost opposite. You know, laughter is almost the opposite of stress. It's your brain just won't allow freedom. it. Yeah, your brain waves your brain waves shift as well to the deeper delta or theta, hmm. which is closer to the meditative state rather than alpha. I, I might be getting my, I always get them mixed up, but the, the one where you're more in your intellect, it brings you to a deeper level from that. And so I tell people when I do my laughter therapy program, I try to frame it as like, this is essential. This is not frivolous. We're not we're talking about laughter like we love to laugh, but it's a it's a serious good modality. It's a serious good experience because it's as important as eating healthy. Mm-hmm. Which everyone knows you got to do exercising and a good night's sleep. We know without those three things, we're compromised and we might get sick. But I'm going to include laughter with the big three, and say that laughter is as important. It's like a vitamin for your heart and soul. You need your daily dose, and if it's not present enough in your life, that could at least be a contributing factor as to why you're stressed or unhealthy because lack of laughter is both a cause and a symptom of stress. And and most most people have poor health. We also find they're kind of unhappy or kind of joyless. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, if you're not laughing, I could just about guarantee that you're not doing anything for your health. I mean, just because right. because it's the right. easiest thing that you could do. I mean, it's it's free to laugh. Like, there's no, nothing stopping you except you right. being truly unhappy. I mean, that, there's no other reason. Right. Yeah, and so that's the underlying cause of not laughing. It's hmm. not because it's just random. You're just not laughing. There's some other underlying reason that that it, it took a while to build up to that point. It just certainly didn't happen over life, overnight, but something started to chip away, you know, and there's good reasons for that, which which probably could be seem need to be addressed. But you don't have to wait to laugh. That's the idea. You need to bring back your zest for living by laughing anyway. Telling yourself, you know what, I could get really wall, I could really wallow in this and get really identified with all these things that have happened, you know, and miss a lot more of my precious life every day. Or I could sort of reclaim that, try to bring that back, but also, you know. Bring laughter back as a skill. Mm-hmm. So we really want to think of, like, if you've lost your, your natural laugh, then we need to think of it like deliberately setting ourselves up to succeed with laughter. Um, and we've also shown that laughter, this, there's studies that laughter builds resilience. We're all talking about resilience these days. Like, that's like a key component that's sometimes missing in, in kids and adults as well as to why people give up and there is so much suicide because they have lost their their resilience, or that's a skill very often as well that we need to learn or relearn how to build. And how does laughter build that? Is because laughter is about choosing to diffuse the words and events that happen to us that could potentially hurt us. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not that we don't acknowledge that and we might still feel hurt, but we're saying, okay, that smarted, but I'm going to take it less seriously than, than I might have, and instead of responding that way, I'll respond with some laughter or, and humor and try to find the irony in those events. Right. 
no matter what happens. It's not, it's not that we are minimizing anybody's experience of the mm-hmm. things that happen in their life, but still, you, we, can, we can seek out the, the, the light side of things that happen. It's even why sometimes even at a funeral, people are sad, but they're celebrating someone's life, and when they remember sometimes like the fun stuff about that person that they love, and maybe the way that person loved to laugh, there's sometimes laughter yeah. erupting at, at funerals and, and wakes and things when they start to think about There's nothing inappropriate about that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's something that's that like I... really honoring... Yeah. Yeah, that's something I was thinking about because my, when my grandparents passed, it was just, like I said, my family, we just value laughter and humor a lot. And so there was just a lot of, you know, stories, be, funny stories being told. And I, I, I can understand people being like, you know, you're not... It's not respectful, but at the same time, like there was definitely plenty of crying, plenty of tears, but kind of like you said, with the experience, like we could just be thinking about the fun times, the funny times. And I mean, it's, it's not that the whole time, but you know, why not include that in the grieving process? Absolutely. I, that might even be what the person would have wanted. Right. Right. You know, as much as they want to be remembered and they understand that, but maybe if the person or watching from above, they might say, you know, I'm okay, so, you know, remember me. Laughter is a, a it's all how it's done. Right. You can laugh respectfully, right? Right. <laughs> laugh as a way of, of, of honoring and, and respecting that person's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so could we get into a little kind of demo of what a laughter session looks like? Yeah. Yeah, we can do it. We can do a little bit of that. Some of it's hard to do just voice to voice because... Okay. Um, a lot of it is watch what I do kind of stuff. But what we could do is the way I usually start with the laughter exercises, I remind people that, again, sort of the universal laughter sounds are hee-hee, ha-ha, and ho-ho. That's the way most of us laugh, no matter where we are. And so I tell people, too, that I'm going to start with a hee-hee laugh and that they should just basically just laugh along it doesn't have to be exactly the way I do it, but it could be however it comes naturally for them, but we'll start with a hee-hee laugh, and we're going to take that hee-hee laugh and sort of extend it from our neck up, like we're going to project it from our neck up to our head. So it sounds like this. <laughs> so do that with me. Right? Uh, yeah. I think people start to laugh and then giggle, and it makes them feel kind of silly at first. And, but, but seeing me doing it and hearing that, you go along with that. And then I say, now we're going to do the ha-ha laugh. So you're going to create the intention that you're laughing from your heart this time. You're going to focus in your heart. Imagine you're sort of opening up your heart, and your, your heart is laughing the ha-ha laugh, and we're going to project that to someone maybe else who really needs it in the world. So then I, I demonstrate, and I'm like, so it goes like this. Ha ha ha. So do that with me. Right, right. So it goes on like that for a while. And then the last one I say, and then the last one I say is the ho ho laugh, and that's like a deep laugh like Santa Claus. It's like you're going to channel your inner Santa Claus now. So I say, focus on your core your belly, and really project from that place. And I want to remind people to really play along when we do this, because otherwise you're not going to feel the benefits, you're not going to reap the benefits if you don't. So you might as well. 
So focus on our belly, and you can do it with me. Yeah, there you go. And then, so after that, even just in just a few seconds, I typically will, how do you feel? Even from that, just brief. Yeah, a lot, and, and a lot lighter, for sure. It's lighter. Yeah. You feel lighter. You feel like a little warmer. You mm-hmm. feel like you exercise a little. You feel your, your mind is quiet. So, your body feels softer and more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Why do calmer. people have such different laughs? Why, I don't know. I think a laugh is like a thumbprint. Mm-hmm. I think it's just something that develops that's just sort of a, a natural extension of the, you know, the uniqueness of who we are. But overall, when we think about laughter and write it down, no matter where you are in the world, it, it, it sounds very similar. Everybody recognizes a laugh. It's like the yeah. it's like if you hear ducks quacking, it sounds like all those ducks are quacking the same quack. But I'm sure if you listen really closely to each duck quacking individually, yeah. they all have a bit of different quack. Mm-hmm. And so you know, just sort of out of that natural way. And then the the last the exercise that I end with in my laughter programs. Is even more um, traditional because laughter, laughter therapy is stems from laughter yoga, and laughter yoga as a form as a form of yoga as part of a yoga practice started in India because that's where yoga started, obviously, and it's all over India even still to this day. So people will meet each other in the morning in a park, usually somewhere outdoors, and gather together, and someone will lead and start the laughing, and they'll laugh pretty much on and off for maybe an hour. Wow. You know, just like you might go sit and, right, go and sit and meditate together. Someone starts, and you sustain the laughter as a daily routine, and so we're not going to do it for an hour, you know, a whole hour, but I try to, then I time it and I say, let me time us for just 30 seconds and I'll set the timer and then I'll start the laughter and try to keep everybody going for the full 30 seconds. So it's just, ha, 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 ha. And we just, I just keep it going, ha, ha, over and over until, okay, 30 seconds. Now we're going to do one minute. Wow. Ha, 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 ha. Well, I know. It, one minute doesn't sound like a long time, you know, on its own, but when you're laughing, it is. But I say just do your best because then when we stop and people feel, you can imagine. They feel that, that really great sense of that high, that natural high, that openness, you know, that, that, that their breathing is, is, is really productive. And all of those other benefits, they get a really great sense of that. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because it is – it's – it's something that you can train. I mean, it's like a muscle like anything else, but if we don't do it, right. of course, it'll become harder to just kind of naturally be in that state. Um, the, the other thing I was going to say, just kind of like with these laughs, uh, one of my brothers and I have the same same laugh where we just stop making any noise at all. And for me, that's always been <laughs> always been my goal when I'm making him laugh is for him to see, seem like he's like hyperventilating. Like that's when I know... I've got him to the point where I want to get him to, and um, where there's no sound at all. Right, right. When it's just like he, like his mouth's open, but like nothing's happening. Uh, but kind of <laughs> with that though is, 
I, they, I've heard before, I mean, I know it's like an old wives' tale, but if you make fun of someone's laughter, you're going to get a worse laugh. Have you ever heard that? You're going to get a worse laugh? Like your, no, your laugh's going to be like an uglier laugh than that person. Is that like laughter karma? Yes, yeah, I think, I think that's the basis comes, of it, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, what it, comes around goes around. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it kind of makes sense with, I mean, just kind of like what you're saying, like, I mean, that is kind of like the worst thing that you could do would be to tell, like, to convince yeah. someone that they shouldn't be laughing. So, yeah, whatever karma you get, yeah, that's, you probably deserve it. <laughs> I don't know why you have to really look at Why would someone do that? It's like squashing someone's joy. Yeah. So I think that, like anything else, when you do something that isn't in the highest interest of someone else, it doesn't always necessarily hurt them. It just folds back onto you. Right. Because it is a reflection of you. Why would we want to take away from someone unless we feel like the taking away of that somehow benefits us because mm-hmm. we don't have enough of that. So I'm going to kill someone else's joy because I don't feel joy within me. It, it doesn't work. Well, but I mean, it In does kind of, the opposite. it does go back to what you said with like us telling kids not to laugh coming from such, you know, adults right. that are stressed and thinking about all these things. And it's like, why are you laughing? Like the world's a terrible place. And if anything, we should be encouraging right. those kids to continue to laugh as long as they can. Please. Yeah, absolutely. We're projecting our own stuff onto kids or Mm -hmm. onto other people. And then we wonder why they feel so much stress and pressure, you know, at the age that they, at the age that they do. So yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say that what we can do here is educate people, even though this area seems like, okay, it's a, it's a no brainer or Mm -hmm. rather it's a, you know, it's not rocket science. Yes, laughter is good for us, and yes, laughter is beneficial, but we need to make it even a little bit more prominent mm-hmm. as something that, you're right, that, that we use as a muscle that we need to regain. Mm-hmm. So you know about, I mean, if you've heard of Norm, Norman Cousins, he wrote Anatomy of an Illness? No. So it's another, another well, Norman Cousins, a long time ago, um, I think in the early 1900s, but he wrote a book um, called Anatomy of an Illness, um, and he was really the first one to sort of coin, like, po- positive thinking. Like, nobody, believe it or not, there was a time when nobody really talked about try to make yourself think positively because it's going to help your situation and help your health. So nobody made the connection until much more recently. Now it seems like, oh, yeah, of course. But Norman Cousins was diagnosed with a life-threatening disease. I can't even pronounce it. And he was told that he had little chance of surviving. But he looked at studies where there was a correlation between negative emotions and illness. So he just sort of put the two together, and he thought, aha, there must be a correlation between positive emotions and wellness. So he developed sort of his own recovery program, and he used himself as as his own patient using positive attitude and laughter. He would he created a regimen of hourly laughter. Like he did it in such a disciplined way where he wouldn't let he just kept kept it going, um, and he discovered that 10 minutes of genuine belly laughter left him two hours pain-free because he had pain. Wow. So even after he would laugh for a while, he would be pain-free for a while, and then he would watch old funny movies and candid camera, see how humor is very subjective, but he discovered that humor, laughter, and the positive attitude together was medicine, you know, that... And, and it was so compelling, I, I think he actually recovered. I think he actually 
cured himself, I'm going to say, but I'm not 100% sure. It may have come back at a later time. Yeah. But it was so compelling, the data, that he was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, and that, was the, that study was the first of its kind, connecting those things to illness. Yeah. Um, I, had a, I had a coach on um, an earlier episode of the podcast, and he was our cross-country and track coach, and everyone absolutely loved him. He had such a huge impact on so many kids, but his thing, he was not the coach that was like, I'm going to beat you down and you know, you're going to, I don't know. He wasn't like the drill sergeant. He just made running seem very fun. Like he just kept saying like, Oh, miles bring more smiles. Like we, I can't wait to go run out in the rain. Like he was just overly positive. And I remember at times like in junior high when you're like, Oh, come on, this is, this is boring. But then you couldn't help like, He'd run past and he'd be smiling. And it's just hard not to, like you said, kind of the contagiousness yeah. of it. There is a huge aspect. And that kind of like his, probably his biggest thing was that he just made people enjoy running, which for a lot of people is like the worst thing ever. And somehow he made it seem fun, which is probably like his greatest accomplishment. I love that. That's really what makes someone an inspiration. And he's right. It, it's true. Attitude is everything. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the dissonance between if we think we don't want to do thing, something and we're trying to do it. If those two things aren't lined up, we have to want to do it and want to do it with a positive attitude and take the actions. And if either one of those two things are out of step with one another, it's going to be really sort of a frustrating experience. Right. So there's a couple things that I like to end the podcast with. The first thing is, could you walk me through your perfect day? Oh, that's a great question. So I guess my perfect day would be to get up really nice and early to meditate for about an hour and then to go to the office and work with my clients for until about 2 o'clock. And then the rest of my day would be going home, relaxing with my husband and my pets and maybe going for a long, a long walk along the canal. Lots of laughter sprinkled in there. And laughter sprinkled in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the last thing is how long are you hoping to live um, I'm going to say till about 8590 I think I'll be done <laughs> around that point and ready ready to rest right yeah <laughs> I've accomplished it <laughs> well Michelle this has been very interesting a lot I mean so much more informative like I mean I always saw the value in laughter but to hear that there's so much research around the like the actual health benefits of it is really, really astonishing. Um, is there any last things that you'd like to tell people about laughter? Um, I, I think just like you said, I want people to, to think of laughter as something as important as diet and exercise and, and um, a good night's sleep. I want to tell them also that you can actually burn calories when you laugh. Um, and I want people to just sort of explore if laughter is missing from that life, from their life, maybe, you know, why that is. And if anybody has any questions about laughter, they can always reach out to me. My website's michellegranberg.com. I am, you know, located in New Jersey, but people are always welcome to, to, do, to reach out to me for information. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. I really appreciate it. And you have a great rest of your day. Great. Thanks, Neil. Yep. Take care. Mm -hmm. Bye.